You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pruitt. Hello, Michael. Andre, um, I hear that you went out on your own and tasted some bubbles without me. I did, because you were in Portugal, and uh, I really couldn't say no to tasting some high-quality Prosecco. And uh, everybody knows that good, high-quality Prosecco is worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. Uh, When you listen to this podcast, you're going to hear my eyes kind of pop out of their heads as uh, I'm tasting these beautiful, refined, balanced... um, just like really fantastic sparkling wines that um, will be, some of them will be available at the um, the Wines of the World store for Italy. And I think I'm going to have to uh, drag you out there and we'll have to go pick up some bottles of this stuff. So when you say eyes popping out of your head, am I talking like Looney Tunes, uh, eyes popping out of your head kind of sound uh, effects? Most definitely. So here is my interview with Umberto from Belenda. I am joined by Umberto Cosmo. He is what he calls himself the ideologist of Belenda, which is a winery in the Prosecco region of uh, Italy. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, uh, when we opened our winery with my brothers, okay. I have two brothers working at the winery. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, our business in, the, in agriculture was devoted mainly to uh, milk and uh, producing eggs and other things. So I started veterinarian. So when we opened the winery, I was really out of my business. Okay. <laughs> but, you, so, but your family comes from an agricultural yes, background then. Yes, for, for sure. So why make the shift from uh, dairy to to grapes? Uh, because, uh, you know, you get older, and so you shift from milk to wine. Okay. I think it's normal. Okay. <laughs> um now, one thing that's really interesting um, is that your Prosecco isn't just regular Prosecco. I think a lot of people in Canada think that Prosecco is all one thing, but there's different levels of quality for Prosecco, mm. right? There are, well, uh, technically, uh, if you look at the regulation, there are two uh, kinds of Prosecco. The Prosecco DOC okay. and uh, the Prosecco Superiore DOCG. Okay, and, and you are Prosecco We are in the Prosecco DOCG. Superiore DOCG. We also own some vineyard in the Prosecco DOC area, okay. but most of our production is in the Prosecco DOCG. Okay, cool. Um, the Prosecco DOCG is the uh, place where Prosecco was born. Uh, later, I will show you a map uh, dating back uh, 150 years ago okay. uh, with the old viticultural area for my, uh, from where I come from, from my province. And uh, that will explain uh, a lot uh, about we'll uh, the natural We'll have to be very with the map because people listening to this can't see the map. Yes, but we'll do that. But I, I guess before we get into a little bit more of your story, and uh, I guess we've been talking a lot before we started the interview here, we have... Five great bottles of wine in front of me. The yep. bottles are really, really nice-looking bottles. Uh, a little bit more like the uh, the bell on a horn. And uh, w- where should we start? Um, well, usually I start from the lighter style. Okay. So I think that we can start with the Levis. Levis is uh, a DOC Prosecco. And uh, is an extra dry. 
So extra dry means how much? Uh, uh, extra dry means uh, that uh, the sugar content uh, is between 12 and 17 grams per liter. Okay, so that would be considered like an, an off-dry, but the key thing with any sparkling wine, obviously, is to have acidity uh, to keep things yes, balanced. Yes, you know, right? uh, you don't have, uh, you don't feel uh, really sweetness in this wine, because uh, you feel more uh, a sort of fruitness yes. than sweetness. Yeah, no, this is really, really um, tasty. It's got a lot of, uh, like, Granny Smith apple note to it. Mm -hmm. um, and you can definitely feel the, the sweetness on the palate, but it's very clean and refreshing on the finish, finish on this. Now, about this wine, um, how much does this wine sell for? Uh, these uh, should be positioned on this market uh, a little bit less than $20. Okay. That's not a bad price. No. I know we were talking a little bit about... I think it's affordable. The, well, definitely. Mm. I mean, anytime you can get a good bottle of sparkling wine for less than $20, that's something really to be mm. excited about. You were talking a little bit about, and I think for most people, the perception of Prosecco is that it's a cheap, sparkling wine. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no, because uh, cheap uh, wine, uh, well, $20 is not a cheap wine, definitely. Well, I, here's, here, I guess here's the interesting thing is for someone mm. my age, we're more likely to spend yes. $20. Yes, an affordable wine. Yes. That is different from being a cheap, because uh, if uh, Prosecco... Uh, would become uh, have become uh, popular because it's a cheap uh, sparkling wine. Uh, no, and this is not the reason, in my opinion, because there are far cheaper sparkling wines in the world. Okay, and uh, I think that uh, it became famous because uh, it uh, found a niche in the market that uh, hadn't nothing before. So it was uh, something far less expensive than a champagne. Yes. And, uh, and it's just a little bit more expensive than a cheap sparkling wine. Okay. And uh, behind, uh, I'm talking about the Prosecco Superior that I know better as, yes, uh, yes, as an area. And talk a little bit more about And uh, we have uh, about 150 uh, sparkling wine houses okay. in, in an area that uh, spreads in a very little part of uh, Veneto. And we are north of Venice, about 60 kilometers north of Venice, okay. and uh, is a sort of triangle uh, with uh, Conegliano, Valdobbiadene, and Vittorio Veneto. And uh, the distance between uh, the two, the extreme west to uh, the extreme west, yeah. east to west, yeah, yeah. is uh, less than 25 kilometers, and north to south is uh, less than 15 kilometers, so it's very small. Yeah, that is a, a really small region. It's very, but it's, uh, but and talking, it's very talking, hilly. It's very hilly area. We're, we're talking about, the, about we have the superiore. The superiore, GOCG. yes. So, like, the, the region where Levis is, is made is a little bit bigger. E, yes, it's far bigger because yeah. it's spread uh, over a bunch of provinces, uh, spreading from uh, Vicenza, so the border of Verona, where Amarone is produced, okay. uh, eastward to Trieste. So is uh, as big uh, as going from, uh, if you are familiar with the Champagne, for people who are more familiar with Champagne, okay. that is more famous than us. Uh, it's uh, the distance between uh, Reims and Bar-sur-Seine. Okay. So. Oh, cool. Now, um, how, how big is your water? How many, how many bottles do you guys make every year? Uh, we make uh, about uh, 100,000 cases, a little bit less. 
Okay, so you're still thunder. you're still a fairly a fairly small. And how much of it is um, the levis that you make? Excuse me. How, how many bottles of, of levis? Do you uh, make? The levis uh, we make about a hundred thousand bottles. Hundred thousand bottles. Yes. Okay. Where should we go from here? What's the next one we should taste? Uh, the second one, uh, just to feel the difference between a DOC and a DOCG in the extra dry, okay. we are going to taste the Miraval. The Miraval, okay. So this is no connection to the, the Miraval in, No, we. Uh, this is a piece of land that we own since centuries uh, in the family. And uh, Miraval uh, has been the name of this wine since 30 years so. Wow, okay, so uh, Miraval's the name of the wine. Is it the name of the... And luckily, we didn't through? register the name at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would be far more rich now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so this is uh, Belenda Miraval. Yes. And Con- uh, Conigliano Valdobbiane. Yes, Conigliano Valdobbiane is the appellation. Prosecco Superior. Yes, as you know. So when we're looking at, at this, this is a, a DOCG, DOCG wine. Yes. So DOCG means that it, it's uh, a little bit stricter, the conditions under which this is made yes, than the... Yes, okay. uh, The um, yield is uh, far lower uh, because the yield for Prosecco DOC uh, is up to 18,000 kilos per hectare. Per hectare, okay. While uh, for uh, the DOCG is uh, 13,000. 13, Holy crap, this is... Here you feel a difference. It's really, it's, it still has the apple, but instead of it being kind of a sweet Granny Smith, sort of an apple pie kind of thing, this is like golden delicious. Yes. With like really nice, like it's crisp mm. acidity. It, it, uh, oh, how much sugar is in, uh, uh this has, this? uh, 13 grams. 13 grams. Okay. So we are in the lower bracket of the extra dry. But there's still not that much difference in terms of chemistry speaking, sugar between the Levis no, and the Miraval. No, it's there's about uh, one gram. Um, it's the structure of the wine. Okay. So the net extract, uh, which means uh, the minerals uh, beside the sugar that are in this mixture of uh, alcohol and water that is wine, yeah. uh, is a little bit higher. It's about 20% higher in, the D, in our DOCG okay. than in the DOC. Okay. Because uh, uh, growing uh, on the steep hills uh, make uh, this wine a little bit uh, uh, more, st- with some more structure. Yes. Uh, how much does this bottle cost? Uh, this, uh, well, is not on this market. Uh, not yet. Not yet, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, will retail uh, 21 to 22. Wow. Okay. For $22, this is, yes. this is just spectacular. Um, you know, even with 13 grams per liter mm. residual sugar, it doesn't taste yeah. sweet at all. The, the the residual sugar in this really helps preserve the freshness mm. of the of the fruit. And like, when you're talking about, uh, actually, before I get too far ahead of my, myself here, what is the difference between the um, the blend between the grapes that are in these? Uh, the blend are the same. The blend is not a blend because we use hundred percent glera. Hundred percent glera in, yes. in all in all of these. In all, for, uh, no, apart from the rosé. This one rosé one. So uh, we prefer to use hundred percent. Well, it's not really hundred percent glera. There is a, a small percentage, uh, depending on the year, three to five percent of uh, local grapes uh, like uh, Verdizzo, Bianchetta. 
okay, and so other local marzamina bianca that uh, you can find uh, spread out in the vineyard. Okay, so th these are just vineyards that were that were planted and had other grapes some, mixed in. Yes, okay. because uh, uh, some of our vineyard we replanted when we took over the farm from my father and my grandfather back uh, 34 years ago. Okay. Uh, 32, 34, I don't remember. It's a 86, but uh, we started well before. 86 was, the okay. first, 86 was our first wine. So when did you guys buy the winery? We didn't buy the winery. Oh, right, when you switched it to... Uh, uh, sorry, it's in the family. The, you know, we family. are an Italian family, so everything switched from one generation to another. And, and okay, okay, okay. We don't own the land. We just... Uh, have it uh, for a period, and then we have to pass to the son, and then to the nephew. And so, your your family have just been farmers for generations. Yes, for a generation, because uh, uh, the vineyard are in my family since uh, some generations. Uh, we used to produce wine in the family, uh, always for our consumption yeah. and for friends. Uh, uh, since many many years, my well, I mean that, my, fa my father is an oenologist too. He's a winemaker, but he did. Something else. Wait, 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 wait. So your father was an enologist. Why didn't he make the switch to? to because uh, in you know in the fifties prosecco was not so famous. So for making uh, for living uh, he had to invent something else. Okay. And so that's why he started to produce eggs instead of wine. So when you're a dairy farmer or a grain farmer in the the prosecco superiore yes. appellation, do you make prosecco? Like sparkling wine for yourself? Yes. So, do you, but you, not uh, not these that you are tasting now. Okay. We were making sparkling wine with the lees inside, so a sort of ancestral. Oh. We okay. So being done in the bottles. Fermented in the bottles. So when you're doing it, so so there are there are families mm -hmm. in that region who do not run wineries, who are making sparkling wine for their own families and friends. Mm. And that's just a, a regular part of being an Italian in, in yes. this region. In, in our region, uh, a lot of families uh, just have uh, produced, uh, let's say, 100 liters of wine. Yeah. And then they bottle it and make it sparkling. That's amazing. Yes. That is so amazing. Mm. Um, well, my mind's actually a little bit blown at just the thought of, yes. of these families making sparkling wine in their mm. house. Because that's something... I, and I, I in the past, was uh, really every family used to do this. Okay, so something interesting just happened... We have been pouring the first two wines and flutes, mm. and you just reached to the table behind us to grab something. We're actually drinking out of water glasses, but the, the shape is more like a regular white is, wine uh, glass. You know, because uh, uh, sparkling wine uh, in the last 20 years changed a lot. Yeah. Uh, before sparkling wine, uh, you were just looking at the perlage and uh, just drink it uh, without uh, thinking what it was. Now... Uh, sparkling wine uh, is something that, uh, in our opinion, should be used uh, with your meal. Because I come from a region where the sparkling wine is used uh, every day with what you eat. That's why we produce our sparkling wines in the brute style. So, you know what's, cr what's crazy is uh, I have the Miraval in my glass still. Mm. And once we moved it to the wider-brimmed glass, it adds another layer of complexity where it was really straight orchard fruit it was like i said that golden delicious apple but now i'm getting a really strong like orange and an orange zest on top of the golden delicious apple it's got a nice floral quality it's really it's opened up in the in the big yes, glass yes is a is a different uh, way of drinking uh, 
So my podcast co-host still believes that sparkling wine should be served in flutes. What would you say to him? Uh, that uh, the wine changed. And okay. so we have to change with the wine. Thank you. Hear that, Michael? You need to start changing with the wine. Give me one more second to take a sip of this. We'll move on to the next wine. <laughs> now, for those of you keeping score at home, the flute debate has now come up three times in the recent past. And the score is now three in my favor, and I think zero in Michael's favor. Anyways, uh, what's the next wine we should taste? Uh, the next one would be the San Fermo. San Fermo. Yes. And this is also uh, Prosecco Superiore. Yes. Congliano uh, Valdobiede. Yes. Am I saying it better? Uh, well, just call it Prosecco Superiore okay. and uh, put an accent on Superiore. Superiore. Yes. Got it. All right. And this is all still 100% Glera? 100% Glera, and these uh, come from the uppermost part of uh, our property, where uh, the hill is a little bit steeper. Okay. And uh, there are more rocks uh, in the soil. Is the soil type... uh, The soil uh, soil uh, um, has a thick layer of uh, um, morenic residual, Mm-hmm. Uh, dating back uh, to about one million years ago uh, from the glacier of River Piave that was flowing just beside the, our hills. There is a really strong mineral note on this from like start to finish. Like it is really, really crisp and and austere. Like this is there. There is none of that like little floral and kind of mm-hmm. laid back note that you usually get from Prosecco. This is this is a wine that you can easily pair with food. Easily, mm-hmm. easily. And, uh, you know, uh, Prosecco, that's uh, why we drink sparkling wines with our millet uh, in our region, in our area. Because uh, Prosecco didn't start to be a sparkling wine because somebody wanted to imitate uh, the champagne back in 1850. Yeah. But because uh, the harvest season for the Glera uh, now is a little bit earlier than usual because something changed. Yeah. And it's still changing. But in the past, I still remember when I was a kid, uh, back in the 60s and 70s, we were harvesting the Prosecco even uh, the beginning of October. Yeah. Beginning of October in our area can be quite cold because we have uh, just behind the winery, about uh, seven kilometers far away, yeah. the mountains uh, jumps up uh, to 1,600 meters. Yeah. And uh, just behind, uh, we have 3,000 meters high mountains, the Dolomites. Yeah. So uh, the cold uh, is part of our life starting in October. And uh, this means uh, that uh, the fermentation, most of the time, didn't uh, went uh, through the total consumption of the sugar. So uh, when uh, uh, springtime, in springtime, yeah. when uh, it, the temperature was warming up a little bit, yeah. Uh, it happened that uh, the leaves uh, wake up again okay. and started to referment. So we had this small barrel in the in the winery in the cellar yeah. that uh, were bubbly, yeah. and they w- were selling these uh, small barrel to the local osteria, to the local place where we drink wine, and uh, people liked this kind of wine. Yeah. But and it happened that uh, at the same time. Uh, were born the first wineries in the area, the first commercial wineries for yep. selling wine. 
and as well the local enological school that happens to be probably the oldest enological school, well, for sure, the yes. oldest enological school in Italy, yes. and uh, maybe the second in the world. Wow. So, and they started to study the phenomenon because at that time they thought uh, uh, that uh, the transformation of sugar in alcohol was a chemical process, and then they discovered that it was a biochemical process. Okay. And so they started to make experimentation by adding some more uh, sugar uh, to find out uh, if uh, the fermentation was a little bit uh, more important. Yeah. And they found out uh, that uh, this wine was good as a sparkling wine. So the first, uh, uh, probably the first 50, 60 years uh, of the um, sparkling wine production in our area was fermenting in bottle because the tank fermentation yeah. arrived in the area um, supposedly uh, 1925-1926. Now, when you're saying fermented in bottle, you're talking about like a champagne style yes. of, of secondary well, fermentation. Mm -hmm. Now, for any of the wines that we've tasted, are these all done in tanks? Uh, the one that we tasted until now, yes. Okay, cool. Mm. All right, and how much is the San Fermo? It's the same price of the Mirabal, yes. And if I were to come visit you in Italy, what would it cost for me to buy it at your winery? Uh, we sell in Italy. Uh, on the shelf, you can find it uh, at about 12 euro. That's not a bad price? No. Cool. Where, so what should we taste now, now that we've got the proper glasses? In uh, we change... Uh, well, we have this, basically the same wine. Let me taste if the bottle is okay. I hope so. <laughs> so is this one that's fermented in bottle that you're pouring? Yeah. Okay. It's one of our four bottle fermented wines. Okay. Mm, made it's with called, Vera. Uh, Seyuno? It's named Seyuno. Okay, so the last two that we just tasted were vintaged. They're both 2017s. Yes. And is these this is vintaged as well? Yes. Uh, should be here somewhere. Uh, no, they... Yeah, yes. there it is, 2016. 16. Okay. And these are all still 100, all 100% 100 Glera yes. so far. Okay. All right. These uh, uh, remains about one year on the lease. Uh, after the, the secondary fermentation, it takes uh, usually three to four weeks in the bottle. And then we let it to rest uh, for another 11 months. That's really interesting. Uh, so the note does have a little bit of that leasy, like it's it's the bread note, like what yes. you'd expect from champagne. But when you get it in the mouth, it's very much prosecco. It's got yes, it's 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 almost like the floral note that you find in a lot of prosecco has been amplified by the yeast because the uh, San Fermo and the Miraval weren't really floral. The Levis wasn't Levis as floral fruity. as it was. Yeah, it's really it's fruity. more fruity. This is really like it's like white flowers mm. and it's got the mineral. This is this is what is really, I call really uh, well in Italian l'anima del prosecco. In yeah. here would be the soul of uh, prosecco, because there is something that um, usually is hidden by uh, the fruity part uh, that is more explosive in a tank fermentation. So it's not that. Uh, Bottle fermentation is better than tank fermentation, or no, it's just tank fermentation is better than the other. Yeah. Uh, are two different faces of the same wine, and uh, that's why I say that uh, I keep saying that uh, we didn't or we didn't discover nothing about prosecco yet. 
Prosecco has much wider uh, borderline than uh, we know, than we expect, uh, yeah. because uh, we have uh, something uh, about 10 years old at the winery, and uh, it got uh, some, uh, um, how can I say, uh, hydrocarburi. You know the notes uh, that come from an old Riesling? Okay, like, like, like petrol? Like, like petrol. Okay. You can find that uh, really? in Prosecco after a few years in the bottle. And it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any of that? No, no? okay. We'll have to you can that find You one. can find it in Vancouver. Okay, we'll have to, we'll have to figure that one out. <laughs> but we'll that, 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 ma- one that market is a little bit uh, more free than here. So it's s- easier to... So say, say uno, uh, how much is this bottle? Uh, say uno would retail, uh, we just made the calculation with Dana, is about $27, $28. I'd buy that. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's a really unique wine. Like it's, I, I, I think you still have, um, an issue with people who are new to wine who compare Prosecco to Champagne and that is absolutely not the case. Yeah. The wines are completely different. No. Um, even in terms of like price point, yeah, they're both sparkling wines, but they both just they serve different purposes and they taste completely different. And it doesn't make sense to imitate uh, a champagne with a prosecco. They are yeah. two different. Uh, it's like uh, comparing uh, a riesling with chardonnay. Yeah, that doesn't a, make you sense. Know, that's a great comparison. Now, for the let's say you know, there's is there any residual sugar left in there? It's about three grams. Yeah, that is that is. Completely, yes. that is the most serious prosecco here, I've ever tasted. Here, you feel, uh, you know, when you keep uh, it uh, on the lees, uh, there are some part of the lees uh, uh, when the lees start breaking, uh, some part of the cell of the um, w- uh, cell wall, yeah, uh, start to dissolve in the wine. Okay, and uh, those are especially the manoprotein. Uh, that uh, make uh, the wine to feel soft in your mouth, but they are not sweet. Yeah. It's a a molecule that is combined by uh, long-chain sugar and the protein. And this gives you the idea of uh, sweetness, but it's not sweet. Because the mouth is really clean after. Yes, that's really... Mm. This is a really impressive wine. Okay, we have one left to taste. We have... The last one to taste is something completely different, because... uh, I hear a lot of people speaking about uh, uh, Prosecco Rosé, but uh, Prosecco cannot be Rosé because uh, it's made with white grape. Okay, so. I just need to, because I'm, I'm a sucker for labels. I love n- nice labels. Mm. And there's so many things about this that speaks to me. Um, it's Prima Cuvée. Yes. And it's called Zelda. Zelda, yes. Uh, the bottle has a pink label and a pink neck, and it's all adorned with, with silver floral elements. Uh, and it is... It's just a really nice-looking bottle. So, so who's Zelda? Uh, Zelda is uh, it remembers me uh, literary okay. thing, and so that's why all uh, all the names that we use uh, are uh, linked uh, to the, either the family or the land uh, or the piece of land where the wine comes from. For example, San Fermo and Miraval are the two vineyards name. Uh, Levis. Uh, is my it comes from a piece of land uh, that comes from on my mother's side, and uh, so Levis is the family name of my mother. Okay. Uh, Sayuno is uh, well. Uh, it was a joke at the very beginning because uh, it wasn't supposed to be a label for the wine, but just for an event uh, when I wa- was uh, well 
I was born in 61. So, okay. And say uno means six one. <laughs> you know. So this is your wine. Yes, and this was born for the in this uh, and the other Metodo Classico name uh, got the name from the initial of my father and his birth year. So everything uh, has, is linked to some something that uh, uh, is strictly re- related to our family or our emotions. Okay, so you you were in the middle of saying before I, I needed to, to talk about the label is that it's not Prosecco. No, this is not Prosecco. It's, it's not Glera. It's, but it's made in your region. It's not Glera. Yeah. It's made in our region because uh, mostly here you can... F- uh, it's made with uh, Raboso grape, about uh, 80 to 85%, depending on the year. Okay. And the remaining is Pinot Noir. Okay. That we grow in our area. But it's all red grapes in this, then? Yes. Okay. Raboso is interesting because uh, is. Uh, very acidic grape. Uh, it's quite. Uh, is a, a grape. For, now, for those of us who don't spend a lot of time in Italy, mm-hmm. what would you compare Raboso to? Uh, it's, it's difficult to compare with something. Okay. Uh, so I guess we have to go the the only the only one, if somebody who here does, maybe and come from Slovenia or Croatia, is Terran, Terrano. Okay, because we have tons of Croatian <laughs> wines at the, at the LCBO. I know exactly what you're talking about. No, but, about. Uh, you know, Raboso is something, uh, <laughs> is, a, is a strange grape because it is a um, very late harvest, uh, has a very, very high acidity, low tannins, and a nice uh, color that lasts very long. The color on this wine uh, the, is beautiful. The pH is very low, so okay. this helps to maintain the color in, ta- in time. Uh, in fact, uh, we also tried to make some Metodo Classico with this, but we discontinued because we had too many wines to follow. Okay. <laughs> and uh, there is a joke uh, because uh, there is part of Raboso is made as a red wine, but it's uh, really a tough red wine that you have to age uh, very long in order to reduce the acidity. Yep. And there is a joke among uh, the drinker of Raboso that it takes three people to drink a glass of Raboso. Because one has to convince you to drink, and yep. the other one has to hold you while you drink it. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, no, this wine's beautiful as well. It's got a lot of like soft red fruit. It, um, it, it tastes like fresh peaches, too. Mm. Like a, a, a fresh peach. Um, yeah, no, I, I really hope that we can see some of these wines. We in make the, these in, the uh, in two versions. Okay. One, like this, uh, that is an extra dry with about 15 grams of residual sugar. So there's 15 grams in this? Yes. Okay, that definitely speaks to the acid of the mm. rebozo because yes. you do not taste the sweetness. And the fruit, yes. while the fruit is really present, mm. like it's, it's, it's there, it, it doesn't even have a chance to take hold on your palate before that acid is, mm. is cleaning it away. Like this, is, this does not taste like 15 grams. And then uh, we make another one in the brute version, but uh, we have a little bit higher than uh, the San Fermo, so about 10 grams. Uh, so it's a little bit less sweet, uh, pairs well with food, better than this one. Uh, this I is a perfect aperitif. This is great with food. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, it's good with uh, shrimps, uh, this kind of stuff. I think. But the other one pairs well with pizza, with the pasta, with tomatoes. Uh, you know, pairing with tomatoes is not easy. And I think that no. Raboso gives you the perfect wine to pair with that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, yeah, you need to have a lot of acid mm. to really, yes. really match with, with tomato as well, or you need to have mm. something with enough. And the, in the brut, uh, the aromatic part works a lot uh, on the uh, quinotto, which is a kind of 
is, not, is, is something like a bitter orange, mm -hmm. but with a very specific aromatic part, and uh, the melograno with pomegranate, something like that. Uh, Melograno, I don't remember the name. Is okay. uh, that fruit with all the seeds that you Pomegranate. Eat? Pomegranate. Okay, yes. cool. Quite interesting. You know, uh, Umberto, I really appreciate you opening up all of these wines with me. And uh, I think all of these except the Seyuno are under $25. What's the price uh, of Zelda? Zelda is, uh, well, a sparkling wine below 20 It's It's how much? Below 20 Below 20 Yes. Below $20. So hopefully we can see some of these in the market. Um selection of these wines will be available in the market come spring or early summer in the Products of the World uh, Italian store in Woodbridge. Okay, so I have to go to Woodbridge. Okay. Andre, it really sounds like you enjoyed those wines. I did, but I know you teased our, our podcast in the new year about the um, flute debate again, but I just had to put another W in my column as, as in the middle of this interview, I just need to double down on this. Uh, Umberto went and reached to the next table to grab a water glass so he could pour his wines into something with a wider opening just so that his wines would show better. So for those of us keeping track at home, we now have Olivier Krug. We now have uh, a winemaker from Prosecco telling us to use wine glasses that are not flutes. So Michael, are you ready to give up no. on this yet? No, not at all. Not, not one bit. Because I know the public is with me. And the and the and the uh, the sommeliers who've got their nose out of joint, thinking this is the way to go, is not going to win. The the public is still with me on flutes. Anyways, I'm Andre Peru from underwinereview.ca. I don't even need to say anything. I've already won this debate, so whatever. Uh, leave a review of this podcast. You know what? You can send angry phone calls to me this time. Tell me how wrong I am. But the uh, the experts are in agreement with me. Yeah, well, that, I don't know what to say about you guys. I'm Michael Pingus from MichaelPingusWineReview.com. And as always, Andre, sparkles are the best way to go and the best thing to put in a glass. And I'm going to go do that right now. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.